Welcome this week to the Aggie Pridecast. We are live once again on Facebook, uh, and we are coming to you this time uh, with a little lunchtime live uh, Facebook. Uh, we got a volleyball game uh, tomorrow at 4 o'clock, so that kind of interrupts our normal Aggie Pridecast time. Uh, and uh, I'm sure uh, Deacon Carl Harrison will tell you all about that coming up in the Aggie Marketing minute. Uh, and so we're coming to you now live lunchtime here uh, at the Aggie uh, live broadcast. I uh, got my, um, you know, so if you want some uh, uh, Miss Winters, you know, or some Bojangles or some Zaxby's, you know, all of those are sponsors of North Carolina A&T, or you can get you some Subway, eat fresh like I did, uh, get you some of that Subway, eat fresh. And also, Get your nice Gatorade, Pepsi product to go with that. So, you know, we're just doing all of our marketing, merchandising right now. He's checking all the boxes today. Right, Carl, you're not going to have any commercials to read off right, right now. I mean. He did my job. I'm good. Yeah. Support those who support North Carolina A&T uh, Athletics. You can find all of our sponsors at the bottom of NCATAggies.com. Uh, uh, we have with us once again, Corey Lima. Hopefully this week we can hear him and uh, he'll be able to kind of Give us an update on all the new things going on with the NCAA uh, regulations. Uh, we also have joining us, we'll have with us uh, volleyball player Edie Brewer. Uh, the Aggies have kicked off their season. Uh, and we also have with us the head men's basketball coach of North Carolina A&T, Will uh, Jones, who has done an outstanding job since taking over the Aggies program. Uh, with me as always, uh, my co-host, the Deacon Carl Harrison, like I said, he'll give us all of our marketing updates. And then we have Spencer Turkin, the voice of everything here at North Carolina A&T State University. Spencer, what you have for lunch, man? Uh, I actually have, have you had lunch? I haven't had lunch yet. I was waiting for uh, for post podcast for lunch. post podcast okay. All right, all right. What you got in mind? I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe a Subway sandwich. I might head over to Subway. We'll see. Here we go. There we go. It's good to know that you're game on all of our sponsorships. But, <laughs> but uh, let's start with uh, Mr. Corey Lima and uh, Corey we got uh, cut off from you last week so I'm gonna ask you what I asked you last week in terms of just tell us kind of uh, what it is that you know you bring to North Carolina a to athletics what is it that you do I know you work with coach Jones quite a lot along with our other coaches so kind of just give people a detail of what it is that you do sure sure I'll try to uh, sum it up uh, you know basically uh, you know we are uh, a Division I member institution of the National Collegiate Athletic Association. Uh, that is an association of close to 1,400 member institutions. Um, there's several other associations that sponsor athletics, but the NCAA happens to be the most prominent, most visible. We all know the reasons why, uh, you know, uh, March Madness and, you know, the football championship and, you know, all of the postseason events for all of the member institutions that sponsor athletics. So, uh, I like to refer to it as the club. It's a very prestigious club of, of, of institutions. It, it gives all of these member institutions access to those events so that they can market what they essentially do, which is educate young people and prepare them for the game of life. So that's the endeavor in a nutshell uh, to be a part of that club. Uh, there are uh, several rules. Uh, five or six significant bylaws dealing with personnel, 
amateurism. Well, you know, I'm pretty sure you're going to ask me some questions about name, image, and likeness. Uh, but uh, the NCAA is an amateur association. Um, and uh, you've got recruiting, the recruiting aspects of club membership, academic eligibility, uh, the financial aid that surrounds that student athlete experience, uh, and then finally, uh, the governance structure for, for, for playing, uh, you know, seasons, eventually ending in, in a championship uh, and bragging rights as, as national champion. So all of that kind of you know, put together all those rules that govern the endeavor. Uh, I assist all of our programs, and, you know, in their, in their recruiting efforts and trying to you know, educate people and uh, come up with strategies to, to, to be more competitive, all while complying with club rules. Uh, so <clears throat> sometimes you know, students are ineligible for certain reasons. One of my favorite aspects is, is working in, in legislative relief. You pointed out that um, I work with Coach Jones and several others. You know, student athletes, you know, for, for many reasons, decide uh, to, to transfer. Uh, you know, the transfer rules surrounding transferring uh, are designed to protect uh, the academic integrity uh, so, you know, there's a lot of work that has to be done administratively between my office and each coaching staff to um, ensure that uh, student athletes are eligible for competition. Uh, so, uh, you know, and, 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 and you know, within, within those rules, complying by all of those rules. So that's essentially what I bring to the table. Sometimes compliance can get pretty boring. Uh, I'm pretty sure you want to jump into some other exciting stuff. Well, here's the exciting part. Yeah. You can be heard. Yeah. We can hear you. Uh, oh, people they, can hear me? Okay. Yes, yes. Uh, people say they can hear you. Um, and so that's good news. I don't know what compliance means. I don't know why we need the quotes there, but I just want to assure everyone that we are in full compliance with the NCAA rules. But no, it, it gets really competitive, you know. You know, all of these member institutions want want to be national champion, uh, but at, at its core, uh, what member institutions are really doing is 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 educating young people. Uh, but you know, uh, they're talented enough uh, to to garner scholarships that assist them with the cost to go to school, and uh, you know, their experience uh, has has a lot of rules tied to it that we have to comply by. Hence the name compliance. Got it. Got it. Um, talk a little bit about, uh, you know, you talk about, um, I read one, one place where Kentucky's um, compliance person, head compliance person makes about $450,000 a year. So there's, there's a lot of importance uh, to that position. And I'm sure Absolutely. you're about $50,000 short. But, uh, <laughs> but talk about yeah. just the sheer importance of, Compliance, because you talked about making sure that young men and young women are eligible. Talk about just the sheer importance of that behind the scenes type things that a lot of our fans don't see in terms of what it takes to get a young man or a young woman uh, on the playing surface. Sure. Well, that begins with uh, initial eligibility. So when a prospective student athlete is uh, entertaining, participating in collegiate athletics at an NCAA member institution, then they have to go through what we used to call the clearinghouse uh, that is referred to now as the NCAA Eligibility Center. And that's kind of the first step uh, is ensuring that this person meets 
those ninth through 12th grade academic benchmarks and that they are indeed an amateur. So, you know, as you know, high level programs have student athletes from all over planet Earth. Uh, you know, amateur athletics is administered significantly differently in other countries. And, uh, you know, so they, they've got to be certified as a final amateur. So once you can determine that this individual can be eligible to participate, then uh, we, get, we begin to monitor uh, continuing eligibility. And that's going to be the academic performance uh, while the student is matriculating through college uh, and, and making sure that they're meeting those annual benchmarks, you know, that progress towards degree. Uh, that's, that's a term you'll hear in compliance frequently. Uh, because, uh, again, back in the day, it was significantly different. It was, it was based on satisfactory progress, uh, you know, certain amount of credits per term, whereas now they want to guide you on a pathway to a degree. So you actually have to make, you know, benchmarks each term towards an actual degree program and, and, and that bachelor's degree. So uh, gotten a little bit more intense uh, when you're talking about high level programs, uh, you know, future NBA, NFL players, it, it does get a little hairier uh, because you've got uh, attention from corporate entities, agents, you know, frequently. So I'd imagine uh, that's why their compliance director uh, can, can garner that type of salary. <laughs> Aggieland, we're getting there though. <laughs> our programs, our programs are signing those types of athletes now. In fact, Coach Jones, I'm pretty sure he's going to talk about Duncan Powell. You know, one of one of our highest recruits ever. Uh, the football program just closed on a uh, uh, you know, a few in-state guys. Uh, mainly, uh, I think his name is Sean uh, Chappelle. You know, so we're we're bringing in high-ranked student athletes now. And uh, I'd imagine it's, it's going to get a little bit more difficult for us in the compliance office as, as our programs begin to close on these types of uh, pr prospective student athletes. We're talking with Corey Lima. He is our compliance director here at North Carolina A&T State University. Uh, and he's throwing out some big time names. And if he throws out the names, that means they're official. Uh, that means that they are signed, sealed, Absolutely. and Yeah. So, uh, you know, those are, those are legit guys that he's signing. Go ahead, Spencer. Uh, Corey, can you discuss the the APR? I, I know a lot of people uh, in programs like to talk about APR and and how that affects teams and programs and why being in compliance with that is so important. Uh, and a lot of a lot of schools have trouble with that, especially at the mid major level. Why is that? Well, uh, APR is is a team based metric. Uh, I, I like to call it uh, an institutional report card or a program's report card uh, on their performance in educating those student athletes, uh, making sure uh, that you go beyond the, the field and, and courts of play. We, we all know that they're here to play sports, but again, at its core, especially in Aggieland, you know, we want to make sure that when you leave, that you're going to be prepared uh, with, with your chest out, and a lot of Aggie pride, and ready to get out here and compete in the game of life. So, uh, A and T took it very seriously, uh, probably about ten years ago, as this this these new the new academic legislation uh, was was uh, enforced. Then uh, we began to build the necessary partnerships on campus to, to make sure that our student athletes are 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 actually. Uh, doing what they're supposed to do, which is which is which is achieve. So 
uh, all of the member institutions, I'm sure, uh, you know, had to uh, begin to look at you know, their processes on campus and, and how they were doing that. Uh, and APR is that score uh, that, you know, prospective student athletes and their parents can kind of go and compare other institutions against other institutions when they're making that final determination on where they're going to go to school. You know, I do, you know, even though you've got those high level programs, most parents want to make sure that their students, uh, or their, their children are going to get a good education. So that's essentially what APR is. Because of the challenges of COVID-19, there's, there's been a relaxation. APR has kind of been put on pause for two years because uh, you know, I think the NCAA and, and, and the club members, if you will, understand the difficulty and, and, and achieving this educational mission during this, this, this pandemic. But uh, that's essentially what it is. Uh, so, so teams, uh, the last part of your question was you wanted to know how institutions struggle with APR. Uh, you know, once you turn in the data and it's revealed uh, you know, how well you're performing, uh, then there's penalties that that obviously occur, uh, and I think uh, you know institutions that struggle just need to really reevaluate, you know, how they're going to advise their student athletes through the academic experience. Did that answer your question? See, Lima. Yes. Yeah. 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 You know, I got I got an issue with APR. Yeah. Okay. It, it seems a bit it seems a bit unfair to lower resource D ones. Yeah. And it seems more clear to the big boys in terms of how they do business versus how we do business. For example, you know, if one of our guys decides to transfer, there's a good chance that a guy at a big time power five, when he transfers, he's going to transfer to a division one. Right. They're not going to lose that point. Whereas somebody from uh, a MEAC or SWAC school transfers, there might be a better chance that they're going to division two school. That's a point against us. Uh, also, all things aren't even when you start talking about resources uh, and academic resources and those type of things, you know, so while we're not recruiting the same type of athlete, we are recruiting the same type of student. Right. Um, you know, those are not that much differences in that, that right. academic uh, atmosphere. So um, am I way off base here or is no, there no, some? No, 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 you're bringing up a lot of, a lot of. You're bringing up a lot of valid points that, that member institutions uh, discuss frequently. Uh, you know, that's that's the beauty in having membership in the club, if you will. Uh, there's an annual convention uh, in January. Uh, there's, you know, com committee positions that are open frequently that, that member institutions are allowed to, you know, maybe push some of their employees to, to, to join those committees. You know, active participation is how you change uh, you know, legislation. So collectively, you have uh, what I call kind of sub clubs, if you will, conferences, you know, conference member institutions frequently gather together and meet and, and present the same points that you've presented. And uh, sometimes there's suggestions for change. Uh, you know, if there's a, a, a lot of member institutions that are kind of experiencing the same thing. Sometimes, you know, the, the, the participation is really the key. Uh, so it's not, you know, you, you've got current policy, and then you have a uh, policy that's subject to change, you know, based on experiences. So I, I think a lot of uh, uh, member institutions that are, are deemed limited resource institutions, there's a lot of them, 
uh, you know, believe it or not, you know, believe it or not, mid majors outside of the Power Five. Uh, I, what I've learned over my career is that uh, there's a lot of similarities. Uh, sometimes they might have more private donors, uh, but as it relates to support for academics and you know what's available, there's a lot of similarities. So you know, again, member institutions need to need to look at possibly. Uh, building better partnerships on campus like uh, we, we partner with the our uh, student athlete academic enhancement program all the time uh, you know uh, the director of that program leslie i think you're going to have her on your uh, pridecast uh next week maybe or in the next couple of weeks no doubt. she'll yeah oh, she's, she's amazing she's a superstar you know she uh, uh wrote a lot of uh the grants that we received uh you know to to assist so that we could try to elevate our APR scores in terms of you know computer labs and extra computers and things like that for our student athletes. She's kind of uh, you know head you know headed up that effort. So you know there there's opportunities out there for member institutions to get better. So I, I think that you know the the APR team based team based metric was you know kind of put in place to do exactly what it's done, which is help people get better. When you got uh, I don't know about you, but if you got some bad grades on that report card, what would you have to do? Make some improvements, right? right? <laughs> so, yes, yes. So, I, would have make, I would have to make improvements. Right? But I'd probably make better improvements if I have three people helping me versus if I have one person helping right. me. And that's just the main point of the whole thing is that not all things are even. And when they put the legislation in, they knew all things were even. And, and so um it is always pressed upon us to have to improve in a harder environment than it is for others and that's the only thing that i'm saying i have no problem with trying to make good grades my kids will tell you that that uh, i'm a stickler for that but uh you know just not all things are are even uh we're talking with corey lima he is our compliance director here at north carolina a t state university big shout out to warren mitchell watches our show every week he said uh uh, he didn't have to work, do all these things when he was playing in schools. <laughs> He's like, this is a bit much. <laughs> He's old school. This is a bit much for him. Uh, right, right. You know, on this end. But let me ask you, Corey, let's get to the good stuff. Sure, uh, sure. Coach brought this up last week, you know, the, the possibility of having uh, Demaya Tucker or Sean Kelly docs for five years versus four. Uh, I'm sure, you know, Jalen Fowler, we have him for three right. instead of two. You know, there's a lot of talent here in North Carolina A&T. You know, in terms of athletes, so what are we saying in terms of eligibility and this COVID thing? How does all that work out? Well, uh, again, we're still very much in the middle of, of a pandemic. So um, I believe the membership, uh, again, collectively, a lot of people like to talk about the, the big bad NCAA, but the NCAA is actually all of these member institutions and, and the structure that, that that's in place uh, so that you can uh, you know, and ha have a membership experience. You know, the NCAA, the actual individuals uh, that work there just kind of facilitate uh, on behalf of the membership. Uh, so the membership, you know, through the democratic process comes up with, 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 with the rules that, that we're all kind of held to. So, so you know, obviously this pandemic uh, has impacted all member institutions, specifically the student athletes that were seniors last year, uh, those that are seniors this year. Uh, so there's been adjustment to allow those uh, student athletes to return 
so essentially, uh, in certain sports, not all of them, I don't think there's been a decision uh, made for for 2021 spring yet. I do know that you know, 2020 spring sports, you know, baseball, softball, track and field, golf, tennis, those seniors are are extended this year. So so. You know, how how we're allowed to do that is uh, again the membership decided that would be fair uh, to allow those student athletes to return. The question is is going to be you know can those member institutions handle uh, you know will their budgets explode essentially? Yeah. You know, there's kind of an annual limit in terms of how much money's allotted for a program. So if you've got some seniors, because uh, another piece to it is that A doesn't count towards team limitations. So each year there are limitations on the amount of aid to kind of keep the playing field equitable. So what they're saying is, if you can go beyond those limitations and not have it count towards those limitations, the question will be, does your, does your budget have the funds in there? So, so Aggies, you need to visit. Uh, <laughs> what is it? Well, <laughs> what, what's our booster website? Aggieboosters.com. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Damn, there it is. Really? Uh, you know, those AAF dollars could help keep some of our seniors in Aggie land uh, for another year or so. So that's something that that Aggie should should should. Corey Lee, not only the compliance director, but also a fundraiser <laughs> for North Carolina Athletic, the Booster Club. The man does it all. Hey, Corey, he does it all. Go ahead, Spence. So every if you work in the athletic department, no matter what you do, you are a fundraiser because you represent us right. everywhere you go. Absolutely. Everyone's a fundraiser, That's whether right. they want to be or not. <laughs> Corey, has the, the transfer portal made things a little easier for you as a compliance director, or has it just added another layer of complication? It, it actually didn't change for us. Uh, what the transfer portal does is it, it was an adjustment to the permission to contact process. So uh, you know, prior to the transfer portal, a student athlete would have to uh, discuss with the athletic director and, and the coaching staff before, uh, you know, they could, you know, speak to another institution. They could essentially uh, just, you know, if the, if the coaching staff and the AD didn't want you to speak with somebody, they could deny that permission to contact, okay? Whereas now they can essentially self-release themselves, like, like, like the Division three student athletes. Uh, because we, we, you know, according to the, the policy, we, we, we have two days to, to get their name in that portal. So once I receive that from a student athlete, uh, then I've got to get them in that portal. Uh, it didn't really change a lot for us in compliance. Uh, it, it probably changed for our coaching staff because our coaching staff wanted to have, a, you know, that control, if you will. And, and I say our, meaning all of the member institutions, the coaching staff at, at any institution, is probably going to want to have a little bit more in-depth conversation with that student athlete. Sometimes these young people make bad decisions, uh, you know, so you would like to have an opportunity to talk to a student athlete. I, I believe, you know, most of our programs talk to them before they get in the portal, but, you know, you have that one or two, you know, situation or two where a student athlete just doesn't want to stay and, and they, you know, put in the request and you've got to put them on that portal and, then I might have a coaching staff that's that's angry because they didn't necessarily know about it until, you know, went through our process. So it's created some of those types of challenges. 
but it, 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 it achieves the same thing. It allows a student athlete who's contemplating transferring the ability to talk to another program about scholarship money or, you know, playing time potentially at that next institution. You know, sometimes coaches are, are favorable, you know, that they want a student athlete that they might have thought was going to be, you know, this level of a student athlete and, and, and they're not performing at that level that they thought. So it's kind of mutual. You know, the student athlete wants to leave because they want more playing time. The coach is saying, hey, you're not going to get playing time here. So let me help you. So it's a uh, it's a pro- I think it's it's made things a lot smoother, more digital. And I think every firm, every business in, in planet Earth right now is attempting to try to get more electronic and digital. So it eliminates a lot of that, you know, the need for an official memo or letter of some kind, you know, it's just, it's just kind of a a really quick digital process. So efficiency. (laughs) So I'm going to, I'm going to put my mask on. Yep. Because I have a special guest. I'll put it on the camera. It's Edie Brewer. There she is right there. She's coming up. Don't worry about it. We had some technical difficulties, but we're going to bring her on. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send her over to Carl Harris's office and let her go uh, do the broadcast uh, from there. And so we got Edie Brewer coming up. We got Coach Will Jones coming up. So a lot of exciting show. Wave to the people, Edie. He's the <laughs> outstanding volleyball player. So I'm going to send her over to uh, the marketing office. And so we got her coming up. Somebody asked for Edie Brewer. <laughs> <laughs> so we got her. We got her here. I mean, she's, she's all good. Uh, Corey, before we uh, send Edie over, um, you know, it's always interesting um, when the NCAA comes out with legislation. Yep. Uh, because, you know, I get all these people coming to me wanting, it creates new businesses, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and this name, image, and likeness has created all kinds of new business for people because they come and ask me, you know, uh, for, uh, to do their business to help them out with the name, image, and likeness. Um, can you explain NIL for folks who may not quite understand what that legislation means and, and how it's going to impact North Carolina a And Brian, sure. just to piggyback on that, actually, uh, Corey, are you excited for the video game? <laughs> I am, actually. In fact, I was going to begin answering this question with, you know, kind of one of the earlier cases uh, that kind of started a lot of this discussion. Uh, you know, if you remember uh, Ed O'Bannon, uh, one of, you know, of the O'Bannon brothers from, you know, the, the late 90s, I believe, during our time, Mr. Holloway. <laughs> he actually saw himself in, in an electronic arts, you know, uh, college basketball game. I believe it was like, and this is after he graduated, but, uh, you know, he noticed that his image was being used in this game. And I believe UCLA at the time was, you know, collecting all of the benefits from you know, UCLA being in, 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 in the game. So he, he kind of, you know, went through the whole process litigation and I believe he won. And that was kind of one of the first cases that was for a student athlete that had graduated, uh, but his image was still being used from when he was in college. That's kind of spawned more discussion and debate, which has now evolved, uh, because of the amount of, uh, of, uh, dollars that are being generated around college uh, athletic events 
So the, the, the debate is, is, is exactly what it is. It's an intense debate on whether or not, uh, because again, the NCAA is an amateur association at its core, uh, and uh, which means you don't have professionals, uh, someone using their athletic ability uh, to make money. That makes you a professional at that point. If, if you're competing in this sport and, and you're receiving monetary gain, you know, you know, based on your skill in the sport. So, um, I, you know, this is a pretty complex debate because, you know, when you're talking about uh, levels of membership, again, power five versus the rest of uh, the institutions, you know, institutions that have football programs versus those that don't, major programs versus those that are mid-majors, you know, all kind of contribute to uh, the debate uh, about the amount of money that's being generated. So obviously when you've got you know, Coach Saban, you know, at Alabama doing AFLAC commercials and all, you know, other types of coaches and people all over the nation, uh, you know, preparing, you know, for their futures financially and kind of not allowing these high level athletes in college, uh, not not providing them with an opportunity to get more share uh, has has largely you know kind of contributed to where we are right now. So uh, right now, as it stands, uh, you've got some states uh, that are developing you know state legislation that addresses name image likeness, uh, but it's it's still kind of in development. It's it's not set in stone. I believe. You know, California, the state of California, the state of Iowa, uh, they've established state legislation relative to name, image, likeness, which is, you know, created a competitive environment for the rest of the states. Because obviously some of those prospective student athletes who are on that level are going to entertain going to the states of California and Iowa because they will be allowed based on, uh, you know, state law. Uh, to to uh, to get monetary gain from their collegiate performance, uh, the NCAA is asking all member institutions to to develop their kind of institutional approach to name image likeness. Uh, some institutions are kind of waiting on their states, uh, you know. So it's it's kind of like I said, it's complex. It's in development. That's what is really being discussed. Uh, is is how. Uh, you know, you're going to approach on your campus. I, I'll quickly touch on what I think we'll do on our campus, and, and then and we can move in. You know, we're really good at putting together a good, smooth process. And once that process is in place, uh, you know, it, it flows. So I, I'd imagine ours would look something like an Edie Brewer, you know, who who might want to throw a party or something, or you know, on on her, on her way out, graduating from Aggieland this spring. You know, she might want to put her face, her image, her likeness on one of those Aggie flyers, and she would have to disclose, you know, you know, all of the details surrounding, you know, using her her image or likeness, and and then it would go through the approval process, and and it would be approved, and she would be allowed to, hopefully, you know, make a few dollars off of her name, image, likeness. Uh, so that's kind of an example of what it would look like. Obviously, there's other disclosures, other ways student athletes might want to make money. 
So, um, you know, it would, but it would flow through a process, eventually arrive at an approval or disapproval. Uh, but I just don't, I don't see why it's a bad thing. You know, now, again, when you're talking about Power 5 program, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think his name is Ahmad Shumpert. Uh, he used to play at Georgia Tech uh, basketball. Then he ended up playing in the NBA for a while. You know, a lot of people don't know he was a rapper in Atlanta. <laughs> so, you know, he you know, previously to name image likeness, uh, you know, you might have to go through like a legislative relief process of some sort to allow a student athlete uh, to, to engage in some extracurricular things for monetary gain. But, you know, it, that stuff, again, when you're monitoring recruiting and, uh, you know, it, it gets rather difficult. But in a nutshell, that's a good summary of what name image and likeness would look like in Aguiland. We talked with uh, Corey Newman, uh, who is our compliance director, and uh, Edie Brewer is not going to throw a party, man. She's going to write. She's a PhD. She's going to write a book. <laughs> be her thing. No, Edie, Edie's a superstar. Yes, we're going to uh, miss Edie. Speaking of superstars, we promised you guys the picture. Oh, yeah. There it is, Corey Lima, dunking it back in 1977. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> put it up to the screen, B. Put it up there a little closer, B. So you can get in that rack there. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah, the Vince Carter look with the, <laughs> with the wrist inside the rim, you know, so it's real. I don't it's know real. if you dunked over three people. Do not know if you jumped over three people, but it looks like he can, it looks like he could dunk it. Looks like he could dunk it. <laughs> So maybe maybe Will Jones has a scholarship <laughs> for you left. Uh, I'll yeah. save the grades off. <laughs> Go bald head. That's right. I want to thank Corey uh, for joining us. Uh, he did an outstanding job of breaking down all of that down for us. It gets complicated. There's a lot of ins. There's a lot of outs. There's a lot of yin. There's a lot of yang. And so nothing is uh, is concrete. But uh, you know certainly he did a great job of uh, breaking that down for us. And so. Certainly, we appreciate that, Corey, um, and uh, continues to do a fantastic job for us. Let's bring in Miss Brewer, uh, Aggie mm -hmm. Volleyball, coming in. Uh, the season has started. Uh, I realize it's February, but it's not instead of August. But uh, the season has started, and I think Edie is a veteran of the show, Spencer. This is about her third time on. Is that, is that about right? So uh, It's at least the second, probably third. I want to say yeah. before the, uh, the the women's volleyball NIT and then during the regular season last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we call that NIV, but, uh, you know, it's <laughs> – Spencer's a basketball guy. Right? Uh, but, uh, you know, certainly she is now part of the, you know, co-hosting duties here now that she's a third-time member of the Aggie Pride cast. And uh, that adds to all the things that she can do because – uh, if you've ever seen Edie Brewer play on a volleyball court, she does it all. Uh, and uh, she can hit, she can set, um, she can play defense, she can block. Anything you want on a volleyball court, Miss Edie Brewer will give it to you. The season has started. She started out with 30 assists uh, and 11 digs uh, against East Carolina. And Edie, just take us through that, that match a little bit. What was it like being back out on the floor after such a long, long wait? You know. It's kind of like weird still, just because like we're playing in February and more more gym isn't hot right now. Like we're used to competing in in the, in the fall season, but um, it was just good to be back. And obviously things didn't go our way, so 
Um, now we just really got to focus and dial in and work on what we need to do to be better and compete better. Speaking of competing, I, I thought you guys competed very well uh, against East Carolina. Uh, and I, I've been here uh, for a while, so I, I've seen some, a few volleyball matches. And I thought we were about as competitive with a school like East Carolina as, as we've ever been. Talk about how much this team has improved uh, out on the floor. Um, I really felt like we had a chance to win some, a couple of those sets. Um, yeah, we've been working really hard in the gym. Um, everyone's uh, really driven in practice. We're always trying to get better. And, you know, some calls didn't go our way because we're working on high hands. And sometimes the refs can't always see when you do get those touches. So it does get frustrating when you can't always uh, be rewarded on what you're working on. But um, yeah, everyone's just like going after it and trying to be the best version of themselves on the court and uh, working hard for their teammates so um, everyone can succeed. We're talking with Edie Brewer, the preseason uh, MEAC Player of the Year. She was last year, she was the co uh, MEAC Player of the Year. Uh, so many accolades for her throughout her career. Uh, Edie, as we approach this, this MEAC season, how important is it for you and the Courtney Pitts and some of the seniors to walk out of the MEAC with a championship? Um, I think it's like the ultimate angle of, every, of anything. If we get nothing else, we're going to leave with a ring. I mean, we've been working hard for four years to achieve it, and we've come so close. And, you know, it's our last time to do it, so – we got to step up to the plate and make things happen. Edie, is it, Edie, is it, is it going to be a little weird playing the same team back-to-back -back days uh, in conference play this year? Most definitely. I, I will check back in you on Friday after we've officially done that, but especially like so close and you're going to have just seen them the night before, and then you're going to know their tendencies and have to redo it the next day and uh, hopefully for the best. And it's just going to be super weird. Do you, do you expect having to make major game plan changes on that night in between, or, or is it really just go with the game plan for both days, see what happens, and just try and get the job done? Yeah, definitely, for the most part, go with the game plans. But, I mean, volleyball is so versatile that, I mean, I'm the example of it that, I mean, I could be setting one day, I could be hitting the next day, and you never know if other teams are going to move those pieces around within their own rosters and lineups um, from day to day. So, you know, Thursday we can go on with a game plan, and we might have to switch it up for Friday um, if we see something else when they uh, walk on the court. We're here with Edie Brewer, who has already promised to come back on Friday and tell us how those back-to-back -back goes. She is a new official co-host of the Aggie podcast. She's, uh, she's been with us more than anybody else, and she deserves it, uh, certainly. Uh, she was, along with her teammate Courtney Pitt, named to the MEAC's 50th anniversary team uh, for volleyball, which is a very unique honor because uh, very rarely does a player who is still playing uh, get those type of honors and accolades on anniversary teams and so certainly a congratulations to you congratulations to Courtney congratulations to you guys on a uh, 
outstanding uh, career uh, for you guys. Tell us about some of your future plans. Do you plan to come back and play in the fall uh, in the Big South, uh, in you know, North Carolina A&T's inaugural season to the Big South? Or have you thought that far ahead yet? Um, I actually have thought this far. I'm actually uh, as sad as it is for me in the transfer portal right now because I'm looking to go to graduate school um, and uh, pursue a master's degree somewhere else. But I mean, you know how the transfer portal works. So who knows what I'm going to do. Wow, breaking news here on the Aggie Project. (laughs) Did not expect that answer, but uh, you know, we wish you all the best where, you know, because you've been so great. Uh, for us and, and, and our volleyball program, and you've uh, you you've uh, you guys done an amazing job of turning around and you know uh, three straight seasons uh, at or above 500, 13 and one in 2019, and so you you guys have done yeoman's work in terms of uh, helping the North Carolina A and T uh, volleyball program. How how, how what is it going to be like playing Norfolk State that Friday because. We talked to the women's basketball coach, Terrell Robinson, and we talked to uh, men's basketball coach, Will Jones. And both of them say that second night is just a war. I mean, it's just you've seen each other, you know each other's tendencies. It's just going to be a battle. Um, what do you expect on Friday when Norfolk State comes back in here? Um, I'm just going to expect them to come out swinging, um, putting their best foot forward, trying to outperform us, and um, – you know, just a lot of grit and good competition occurring. Uh, now, tell us, who is Kim Keels? Oh, that's <laughs> my mother. That's your mom. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, yes. cool. That's She's a big mother. fan. Uh, I just don't, I don't know if you knew that or not. But she is, she is a big fan of Edie Brewer. There's no question about that. Talk about the process that you and your mom and your, your folks went through uh, in order for you to decide to come to North Carolina a um, yeah, we interviewed, oh, we obviously went on uh, several college campuses. My parents were very supportive of a club, um, traveling with me to tournaments and whatnot. And um, they just both have gone on visits, chatted with the coaches, um, talked to me about what I wanted to do. And then when it was time to make my decision, they were just like, yes, let's do it. And the rest is history. Uh Talk a little bit about what you want to be when you grow up. Uh, you know, you, you talked about your your major and, and all of those things and what how important that is to you. You know, and then now you just told us about graduate school and all those things. What what does Edie Brewer look like in five or ten years? You know, with COVID, I have come to the conclusion that I don't like to really long-term plan anymore because obviously like I was four four years of volleyball at A&T and then like I'm gonna go out into the world and do xyz but like obviously I'm going back to school for a little bit longer so um I'll, I like to play it like months at a time in chunks and you know I have ideas of what I could possibly do in the future but I am not ready to commit myself to one specific role in five to ten years until I have myself grounded in a, a state, in a city, and I know what I'm going to do with my life. Well, 
very intelligent answer, folks. Not only is she a great volleyball player, but she's very smart uh, as well. Like I said, she she can do it. Uh, she can do it all. Uh, one of our fans wants to know, have you made a decision on what you want to major in uh, or what you want to get your master's degree in, I should say? Um, I am not 100% sure yet. I have applied to uh, conflict management and resolution programs. I've applied, I'm looking into possibly getting an MBA, possibly going into sports management or public policy. So as you can see, it's kind of all over the place right now, but um, you know, it just depends on the school and whatnot. Mr. Holloway, I, I don't I don't have uh, a way to ask a question uh, as a fan, but I'm a fan anyway. <laughs> I've got a question. <laughs> a few years ago, I actually, uh, you know, as the compliance guy, had had to put together some paperwork to help you uh, go through Olympic trials or to describe a little bit about, about your Olympic experience. I never got to hear about that. Oh, yeah, that was my freshman year. Um, I just got to go and try out for the women's national team. Um, but also they have three like collegiate teams that you can make. One that goes, I think, is Europe. Asia and then one that's in the United States and um, I, while I didn't make any of those teams it was uh, super cool we were in the actual uh, training facility in Colorado I got to stay in the dorms where all the other Olympic wow. athletes um, were I got to meet girls from various universities um, that also play college at various ages and um, it was just a great experience, like being in the cafeteria, being around co Coach Karai, and just like feeling just the atmosphere of high caliber volleyball that was um, played in there and getting to learn from some of the best people that coach volleyball and be surrounded by some of the best players in the United States and the world. Wow. Edie, what? What, what has this whole experience been like uh, trying to play volleyball in the middle of the pandemic and also just being a student on campus in the middle of all of this? Um, actually, as a student aspect, I like online school because sometimes teachers don't actually teach you anymore and they just sit there and lecture you on like PowerPoints and stuff. So it's like, I could be doing this in my home, in my bed and like still learn the same way and be good. So I kind of like that aspect where, I mean, history, we write a lot of papers. So I was just saving information, reading my books on my own and typing the papers and it was all good. But volleyball, you know, fall, we did super good. My team, we had no COVID cases. We never had, we only had like isolated people who had a quarantine, but they never had COVID. So we did really good. And, you know, obviously like people are in and out because of injuries and whatnot, but being able to practice with one another as a big group, because at first we were separated was um, super cool. But um, we only had our first COVID case in the beginning of January. So we had to quarantine and then our first game got canceled because we had a false positive so that was frustrating of course and then the next two games got canceled because the other team had COVID and you know it's that was like three games just like that where we missed the opportunity to really get into the group of things and compete but um you know you just gotta play it one day at a time and it's a wake-up call that you just got to be present in the moment and put your best foot forward every day. We are with uh, 
preseason MEAC Player of the Year, Edie Brewer. Edie, uh, Addie didn't play on uh, uh, against ECU. Um, how significant was that? Because she, when she's in the game, she allows you to kind of move around a little bit and show off some of your versatility. How important is it to have that second setter healthy um, coming down the stretch run? Um, you know, I love Abby. She's a great player. Uh, it's just a different look on the court and versatile and her versatility and whatnot. And um, like I mostly hit a six-two or ran a six-two with another setter for most of my college career. So you know, it's just a different look and. Uh, we missed her, and but I had to step up to the plate in my new role and uh, try to get the best uh, result that we could get out of it. So um, she should be back soon, and we'll see what happens. Okay, so help us out a little bit. Now, Hal Clifton seems like a pretty serious guy. Tell the truth now. Behind closed doors, is he dancing? Is he he kind of, you know, you know what, what what's fun? When does Hal Clifton? When is he fun? At what point? Tell oh. us. Tell us the, the guy scoop. Coach Hal was always fun to me. <laughs> He's always we play music for our practice, and he'll like come up and be like, "Is there a TikTok dance to this?" Because he has children, so you know, little hip, and he'll be hitting the wall and all that and trying to do the dances but he's he's a cool guy making dad <laughs> jokes a lot <laughs> we will create a tiktok video for hal clifton that is coming up folks we be on the lookout for the, the hal clifton video uh we got a couple of questions from fans uh one wants to know what advice do you have for recruits who are still in the recruiting uh process uh, you know, from your experience, uh, what kind of advice would you give them? Um, it's just reaching out to schools, um, having your own film. I'm not really sure about like the rules anymore because of COVID, like the rules for like dead period and whatnot have changed. Um, before it was like May when I was being recruited was you weren't allowed to talk to any coaches, but you're always able to you know, send an email out and get your name out there at the school that you want to go to. Whether or not they're able to respond is another thing that's out of my area of knowledge. But definitely just, hey, like, I'm this position, I'm this tall, and here's a link to some of the film I have. I would like to entertain the possibility of uh, attending your university and just going from there. Uh, JJ Davis wants to know, what is your favorite experience at a &T? Oh gosh, um, my favorite experience, you know, I would have to say Geo. Yeah, my Geo. When we were uh, we weren't home last year, but the years before, we would have uh, the pep rally, the gym jam, and all those activities. Friday, we would play volleyball. Saturday, we will be able to go to the football game and the concert. And then Sunday, we would play volleyball. So, like, it was a, a packed week that was super fun. And my freshman year, me and my teammate, Fatima, we were in charge of laundry at the time. So we had to walk over to Corbett. And the comedy show was going on. 
and they were not trying to let us in to the comedy show or to even Corbett so we could like do our laundry. We're like, we have to go, we have to go. And when we got in, um, we ran into Mar um, Marlon Wayans and we got a video with Marlon Wayans because we had to go do laundry as freshmen. So <laughs> that was pretty cool. Come to A&T where you will do laundry and meet Marlon Wayans. No question, no question. Edie, uh, we want to thank you for coming out. Uh, we know you got practice uh, in about an hour here. Uh, and so we wish you guys all the best this season. Uh, we really rooting for that MEAC championship that you guys close out uh, our time in the MEAC uh, with the championship and an NCAA tournament appearance and all those uh, wonderful things. And so, um, you know, we just wish you guys uh, the best of luck. The, the Aggies will play here in more gymnasium, uh, 4 p.m. on Thursday against Norfolk State and then return again on Friday afternoon to play the Spartans at 1 p.m. So uh, if you get a chance on the uh, Aggies stream to, to watch them play, please do uh, Edie and, uh, and our teammates, Fatima Shabazz and Courtney Pitt, and all of those guys are, are, are outstanding uh, athletes and uh, they deserve our support. Thanks, Edie. Thank you so much. All righty. We're gonna bring in the head men's basketball coach, uh, Will Jones, uh, and uh, hopefully we can get him to turn his screen on there. Uh, there he is, there he is, the man. He's got the, by far the best beard on here, no question. You know, the, the three of us <laughs> 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 no Coach always has that Rick Ross beard going. You gotta have the right products, man. Juices and berries. <laughs> No question about it, man. You know, you got all the good products when you're the head men's basketball coach at North Carolina A&T, and uh, you are off to an undefeated start in the conference. Uh, and uh, certainly uh, after last season, just a second-place finish. Uh, we just think that short in Durham, you know, that eats at me because I hate losing to the Eagles. But anyway, that's a whole side note. But, uh, uh, Coach, welcome. And, uh, man, you guys have uh, – been through a lot through this COVID season. Just kind of describe to our fans just kind of what it's been like playing uh, men's basketball through COVID. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, man, we really miss the fans, really miss the uh, supporters, diehard Aggies that would be here with us um, in Club COVID, you know, cheering the program on and uh, miss my, uh, my uh, fireside chat. Uh, you know, before the game with, with, with the special, you know, special fans that come and ask the questions. Really, though, the times are different, but um, we are really, uh, the, the guys have really done a heck of a job um, dealing with this pandemic. Now, we've been really at this thing since July. Um, our administration uh, gave us an opportunity, uh, men's and women's basketball, football, uh, to, to come here in the summer and try to prepare for a season that uh, nobody really had the answers to. And, um, you know, being able to, you know, get off to a, you know, get off. And, you know, we got off and, you know, went out to Illinois and played three straight games. And that really, I think, really got our season moving in the right direction. I think we played five games in the first eight or nine days of the season, which put us ahead of everybody in terms of number of games. 
And then right there uh, in December, we had pulled the most games in the country. And I think that goes to the plan that our administration had in terms of trying to make sure we had everything in place to be successful, knowing that we couldn't predict what was going to happen. We had, you know, two shutdowns during this period that we had to deal with, but we were able to uh, bounce back. The guys handled it maturely. They know what the ultimate goal is, and everybody's still committed to that goal. And uh, we're just happy to be in conference season. And I'm um, happy as heck to be able to play this weekend in South Carolina State. We're with our head men's basketball coach, Will Jones. A uh, big love out to Dr. Jay Fletcher. Uh, you know, having the most games in the country, you know, is a reflection on her and her staff. And so certainly, uh, Mr. Hilton, the athletics director, they've all done a great job uh, in terms of leadership. we got to have the doctor on, Dr. Janae Fletcher on. Uh, just, just to kind of get her, her thoughts about things. So, so last time I saw your team, you were down at 19 at halftime before the AM, and then spoke Spanish at halftime, from what I understand. And uh, so somehow everybody was able to translate that. Um, talk about just the, the grit that you guys showed in making that comeback against uh, the Rattlers. I tell you what, man, it's always interesting. Uh, interesting when we play fan new. You know, last year, my first game in, in the club, you know, we're here. We're off to a great start. Everybody's excited. We're up about 20-some points. And FAMU comes back in the last five minutes and takes the lead. I'm sitting there trying to be cool, calm, collective on the sideline. Like, man, if I lose this game, Aggie pride, Aggie Nature's going to run through the body here, man. So, you know, so and, uh, we, we were able to – Sit that game to overtime and win it. But this one, this one was a little different. Um, you know, I told the guys that second game was going to be a fight. And um, fam, you wanted to win. They wanted to win. They wanted to come in and uh, and put their best foot forward. Um, but I told the guys at halftime, I spoke Spanish to them first, and then I spoke English. Uh, once I got finished speaking Spanish, I just told them that uh, – we're going to win this game. I said, we're going to win this game. Um, I don't have anything that I can help you with from a strategic standpoint. You guys got to go out and play basketball. And I challenged Cam. Um, Cam, you know, he, he's one of the nation's best point guards. And I told him he had eight, eight, eight turnovers in the first half. It's unacceptable. And I tell you what, that cat was shooting step back threes, threes behind the free throw line. I mean, he was, he was hooping. I'm sitting there like, what's going on? You know, but when good players, great players take those challenges, they can take their game to a whole nother level. And I'm just excited that Ken was able to take that game, his game to a whole nother level, help our team come back from a 24-point deficit at one point and win to keep us undefeated. Coach. Uh, Coach. You and I spoke over the weekend, and there was a moment that, I think might have flown under the radar a little bit. And that was when Blake Harris dove for a ball in the corner, got on the floor and, and secured the possession. And the next day he comes back and he hits the game-winning three. Do you think that that was that turning point that he needed to, to get his season on track and become a, a major player in this program? Uh, you know, what's good about this team is um, we really have two teams. We, you know, Lucky we have two teams. We don't have enough minutes to play everybody, uh, the amount of minutes that they're probably worthy of. And that's really why we've been focusing on winning 
winning has to be the, the thing that we're focusing on. They buy into winning, everything else will take care of itself. But Blake's, you know, he competes every day in practice. He competes. He's out there like a like free safety. He moves. He, you know, he's chasing balls down. And I think he, he, you know, he's at a point, man, that he wants to win, and he's going to try to help us do anything he can do in his power. If that's starting, if that's playing a point, if that's playing the two, if that's coming off the bench, coach, whatever you need me to do, I'm going to do it to help this team win. And I think that's really helped in his maturity level um, since he's gotten here at AMT. He's growing into that player that's going to do whatever it takes to help his teammates go out there and finish the job. Coach. You, you got your 13 games in quicker than anybody else in the country. Uh, was that one of those stress relievers, knowing that now no matter what happens, you and your squad are eligible for the NCAA tournament? Man, it wasn't a stress reliever when VCU was beating our head in. But, nah, it was, um, you know, the way we scheduled this thing, um, obviously football not being able to play any guaranteed games um, and, and us not being able to, to generate the – the, the amount of money we normally get with guaranteed games. Um, after we kind of put together our original schedule, we had some some dates in there that, you know, I just reached out to some of, some of the people in the business and, and asked them, could we get a game? Charlotte, VCU, we were able to get Stanford to come here. And just, you know, even though they weren't paying the top dollar, anything was going to help our athletic program to bring some type of funds in. And so our program, we went out and took those licks you know, against some of those teams and got those games in. I mean, the month, the first three weeks of December, that schedule was unbelievable. We were playing a game every other day against really good teams. We got through it. We were a little banged up. But I think through that process, I got a chance to play everybody meaningful minutes to see exactly what they could do. And um, with not having an October to really prepare for a season because of COVID, I didn't get a chance to, you know, no scrimmages, no, any, anything to see what some of these new guys had in their bag. And I think that uh, that December going through that that rough start, we missed Cam for a couple games, we missed Blake for a couple games, we missed Quay for a couple games, T. May was out, Fred was out. And so some of those new guys had to step up, and we really learned a lot about those guys during that period. And I think now it's really helping us because everybody's had meaningful game experience. And so now you really don't know, who you have to prepare for for our team. Anybody can come out and get those double figures depending on what poison you pick. And uh, I think that's a really good thing about our team. Coach, uh, you know, people ask me all the time what the significance of Stanford coming in here was. And I tell them all the time, I think it was more significant for Stanford than it was for A&T just because a lot of those guys had never been on a black college campus before. That was a new experience for them. And they – really were wowed uh, by the fact of the, the history and the, the ambiance of the campus. Do you think that's something more of the Power Five structure should do is to give those kids an experience on a black college campus in A&T at Jackson State, um, you know, Tuskegee, some of these historic Howard University, some of these historic black college campuses? We talked about it all, all summer, um, this fall, you know, in this, in this climate that we're dealing with you know, in our country and, and really in the world. I mean, what, what happened in the United States not only brought attention to people in the United States, but people all over the world in terms of the minority, African-Americans, what we deal with here in the United States. The bottom line is our kids, uh, 
even people are, you know, my age, your age, not everybody knows what HBCU means. Okay. Not everybody knows what the meaning, what's the significance, why go to an HBCU. Okay. If you live in certain part of the countries, it's not even a topic of discussion that these schools exist. And so you get a Stanford that comes on campus, first and foremost, a, a BCS level school playing in an HBCU. That doesn't happen a lot. I think it, they tried to make it happen this year. I think we may be, be the only school in the country, uh, HBCU, that had a, a BCS school visit their campus for a game this year um, and, and really make it happen. I know Notre Dame was scheduled to go to Howard, but uh, through COVID protocols, it wasn't able to happen. But I take this with me. I was sitting on the baseline, one of the Stanford, one of the starters, he comes up to me before the game and says, Coach, I really, really thank you for giving me this opportunity to come to North Carolina A&T. He said, you know, I'm from New York City. I go to school at Stanford, and it was a culture shock for me uh, going there. I've been there for three years, Coach. But to come to North Carolina A&T and give me an opportunity to see this campus playing here, it's been unbelievable. I really appreciate that, Coach. Can you, you know, I want to give you a, a hoodie, a Stanford hoodie. Could you send me a North Carolina A&T uh, hoodie so I can have it? And this kid texts me, man. He texts me probably once or twice, you know, every couple of weeks because he felt like this opportunity to play here at North Carolina A&T was something that he, he didn't know anything about in his recruiting. Um, you know, nobody ever probably talked to him about HBCU because he was such a touted recruit. Everybody at the highest level probably recruited him. And so these kids, man, I mean, some of these high-level kids, they, if they actually knew that they could be successful at HBCUs and really had the right information, Again, I think more of them would give us a strong look if we recruited and did the right thing uh, in terms of making sure that we could provide a big time education and opportunity for them to achieve their goals and dreams of playing beyond college. I think if they knew more information, we'd have a lot more kids interested in what we do here at North Carolina A&T. Well, here's, here's some of the information. Tariq Cohen, uh, All-Pro NFL, Chicago Bears. Daryl Johnson Jr. Uh, played in the AFC Championship game. Uh, Kayla White, uh, NCAA national champion, uh, 200 meters uh, indoor. Uh, and so you can't come to A&T and you can be highly uh, successful there. So that's my little pitch there for uh, North Carolina a and Al Adels, uh, Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer. Yeah. yeah that, that's a little old school, but yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah, forget, about no our, question, don't, no question. don't forget about our baseball draft <laughs> <laughs> All right. Big shout out to Chandler and all those and all those baseball guys. No question. No question. Go ahead, Smith. Coach, uh, uh, you mentioned getting the information out there to to potential recruits. How important is it to capitalize on everything that's been going on and make sure that right now, when A and T is in the spotlight, that you're able to get into the homes of of some of these recruits that previously. A&T would have been shut out from. Yeah, I mean, right now, uh, there are a lot of lot of kids interested in hearing that information. Um, and, and it comes back to the recruiting, your recruiting philosophy in terms of uh, identifying who can play in your program academically, who, who is a good fit for you. Just because they're a top 100 doesn't mean they're going to fit for you. Uh, you got to be, you got to make sure that you have the things in place that's going to help that young man, young lady, uh, be successful when they hit your campuses. And uh, you know, 
We're the, we're the largest HBCU in the world, period, point blank, all right? And, and we deserve a seat at the table, all right? That doesn't mean that in three weeks we're going to be the size of Duke uh, basketball program, North Carolina basketball program, Kentucky basketball program, but we want to be one of the top mid-major programs in the country. We want to be there uh, with the Murray States of the world, the Belmonts of the world. We want to take that journey that Gonzaga made. Gonzaga made a huge journey, and, and a lot of it started with the transfer. It started with the transfer, the high-level transfer, and now that they're successful, they're able to go out and get the really, really good high-level high school kids. It doesn't happen overnight, but if everybody's committed within the, 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 the entire school, the university, and you can get those type of kids and win, over time your program could become one of those type of programs. And I think here at A&T, if we continue to move in the direction that we're moving as a university, we can continue to move our basketball programs, football programs, athletic programs in that, in that light. Aggie baseball continue to get some love. So there you go, Corey Lima. You know, <laughs> chiming in with some Maggie baseball. Uh, Coach, how important is it that uh, that uh, Duncan Powell signs here? You know, recruiting can be a rippling effect. Is that a huge deal for us in terms of going forward and helping you get the kind of players here that you want here? Yeah, I think Duncan, you know, one thing, Duncan with him coming to A&T, it started with uh, the legacy. Uh, it started with the legacy. His cousin, Adrian Powell, he enjoyed his time here at A&T. He could tell his cousin without any type of feeling guilty that I had the best time of my life at North Carolina A&T. Okay, a lot of times we sometimes don't give us our an opportunity to be successful because we won't co-sign for us. And having a positive influence and having a positive uh, time here at A&T for Adrian, going to the NCAA tournament, getting his degree, feeling that his time here at A&T prepared him for life, all right? He was able to tell his cousin, man, listen, I don't care what you do. I'm telling you, North Carolina A&T was a good place for you to go, okay? And then when I spoke to Duncan, I asked him, was he really interested? This was before anything happened with George Floyd, okay? We were already recruiting Duncan, okay? And I asked him, I said, if you're interested because you looked up to your cousin and you saw him play on TV when you were young and, and you liked the atmosphere in Club Corbett, then I'm going to recruit you as hard as anybody in the country is going to recruit you. I said, if that's what you, if you tell me you're interested, that's what we're going to do. We go through this process and about two, you know, about a month and a half later, we have the George Floyd situation and now everything, now he's hearing everything that's happening, you know, and all these other athletes are talking about going and coming and going and coming. And we just, we just held, you know, we held it in there. Coach Dorsett did a heck of a job of just staying in contact with them. And it got, you know, it got dicey, man. It got dicey. Some other schools, some high level schools start coming in and um, you know, but he stayed solid. And he let us know uh, probably uh, three or four days before signing day. I hit Corey up like, let's get this out ASAP. Like, let's stop <laughs> messing around. You know, Corey got it done. I'll call Corey about 50 times and make sure the paperwork right. And he sent that paperwork with his, his name signed, sealed, and delivered on that thing. And um, we are excited to have him coming in here next year. And hopefully it can help us elevate this program to another level. Coach, Adrian Powell, who the 
2013 Most Valuable Player at the MEAC Tournament. Uh, it was, what's a great run for North Carolina A&T. Came into that uh, tournament 8-8 eight and, eight and uh, just ran four straight games, including beating Central. And uh, beat Morgan State in the championship <laughs> final. Uh, and so that was certainly a fun year. Went on to play Liberty that year and, and won our first ever NCAA tournament game. So Adrian Powell was a part of that as well. Go ahead, Spence. Uh Coach, I think you know, it gets lost in the shuffle sometimes. Obviously, Duncan's such a big-time recruit, four-star guy, top 100. But he's not your only uh, star recruit uh, that was in the class. Chase McDuffie, a three-star recruit from 24-7. So two star-rated recruits in the same class. Uh, what does that do for, for recruiting for your program? You know, we are the only HBCU and one of the only mid-major programs in the country. We're ranked 67th in the country in, in, in this recruiting class, 67th in the country amongst all Division One basketball teams. And that's something that I show our recruits. When we get involved with kids now, I show them an image of that. I show them an image of that because it's not about it's, – it's about the players. It's about players, okay? We've already known – you can look it up that North Carolina A&T is one of the best – universities in the country if we can get top engineering students if we can get top business students if we can get these top people to come here academically so athletically that's not holding you back if the top academics can come the top sports can come too okay let's stop you know let's stop tricking ourselves to say that it's not the university it's players players you choose to come we get enough good players we can put ourselves in a situation where we got some of the best talent in the country and compete at that level. And so um, Chase McDuffie, he's definitely, you know, out of South Carolina, big time piece of this, uh, of this, of this class. And then Jalen out of uh, Atlanta, another big time piece of this class. And we'll see how that, how this class wraps up over the next couple of months. Coach, how do you keep your team? What, what are, you know, during this craziness of postponements and all those kind of things, how do you keep them, A, motivated, and B, sharp, you know, for when you hit the floor on Sunday and Monday, you know, uh, they're ready to play? Because it's just, you know, you just don't know from day to day what the outcomes are going to be. Yeah, um, you know, when we started practice, the first practice, I told the guys, you got to understand this year, we got to be able to move as this climate moves. So let's, let's not make too many long-term plans. Let's operate really on a week-to-week -week basis and be ready to shift, be ready to pivot, be ready to move how this thing moves, okay? Um, and they kind of understood that. Um, we went through the COVID, uh, we went through COVID, uh, we were out there playing golf, I think, on the Aggie, on the Aggie tour with Corey, and I got a call one Friday from Janae, and we had a shutdown, and that was the first time it hit us. We had about five, about five to eight guys shut down, and then we got everybody back, you know, right at the end of October. And then two weeks out, of, out from the season, we got another shutdown, which I said, I told my staff, I said, this might be the biggest blessing of the season. Uh, we were shut down two weeks before the first game. You need two weeks to be in quarantine. Okay, so that means that our guys were shut down, not around. So we knew that we were going to play that first game because our guys were in quarantine. Um, so we were able to come out of quarantine and stay, and stay pretty safe uh, since then. But the, again, we got 19 guys on the roster this year. And the biggest thing that's kept our guys' attention, they want to kill each other in practice. 
I mean, they want to kill each other. The last practice, I had to hold them back because they're competing to win. We may have had the best practice ever in the last four years here at ANT, our last practice on Monday. The guys did not want to stop practicing. They wanted to compete. They, they, nobody wanted to lose. And that's the culture that we're trying to get here to be consistent every day because once the players start coaching each other, that's when you start having a really, really good team and a really good program. So they've been keeping each other um, on point. They're looking forward to coming to practice to compete against each other. North Carolina A&T goes back into action this weekend on Sunday, uh, starting at 4 o'clock uh, in Club Corbett. They play South Carolina State. And then the same two teams return on Monday evening at 5 uh, to continue the MEAC Conference Series. And this is my bad. I forgot to ask Corey Lima about the the golf tour. I mean that that that's Corey Lima all Corey Lima all day. I mean this guy has put together a PGA tour for Aggie Athletics. I mean this is absolutely incredible. And he sits on scores. I mean that's on top of everything else that he does. So. <laughs> It's actually, it's actually a, a staffers tour. It's not just for the athletics department. We uh, invite all Aggie staffers, anybody on campus, usually during the summer uh, when 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 things are somewhat a little bit slower, and uh, we just sharpen our competitive swords. All the coaches, administrators that want to, you know, have those Aggie bragging rights, those ASGA bragging rights, get out on on a couple courses throughout the Greensboro area. And uh, we just have a course, little fun, uh, you know, before. I think Ms. Basketball represented, didn't he? I was going to say, Coach Dorsett is our current champion, uh, associate head basketball coach for, for the men's program. Uh, oh. Ahmad Dorsett is the current big dog on campus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I scored this year. I scored. Hey, last year I didn't score one point. I was hot this year. I had a yeah. Coach Corey had about five or six points this year. Yeah. I'm getting better. Coach Jones is, is his game's getting getting real. Has to. He's got to raise his game. Hey, hey, that, that's that's what we do in Aguilar. We we raise each other's game. Can't wait to get back. We see. I can't wait to get to Atlanta. All right, the golf with our AAF, our boosters and donors out there. COVID's trying to stop me from being great, but we're gonna get you know, back out there. I hear you, Coach. Get back out. There. Speaking of speaking of great, coach, you got a great looking wall uh, there near your office. Um, it's got uh, Kyle Irving and Don Corbett and some of the great Aggie players, um, and I think it's fantastic. I, I just think having players walk out of the locker room and see some of that North Carolina A and T basketball history is as rich as any program in the country. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, how how great is that to have that that legacy now um, uh, on the wall? First and foremost. The hardest man that has has taken this game to a whole nother level, the deacon, Carl Harrison. I mean, he he has elevated his game from COVID. I mean, unbelievable job, you know, getting this thing, figuring it out, um, and, and making it something that we envision it being. And um, you know, he's good at it. Um, you know, I'm. I'm, I, he he probably knows from working with me. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I'm emailing. He's emailing. You know what I mean? I, said, I ain't hear from him. I, I said, man, I ain't heard from Carl in about three weeks. I'm like, where's the project at? You know, I said, you know, I'm going to leave him alone. And next thing I know, you know, uh, it starts going up. And, you know, it, it, you know, 
he was able to take it, make it fit for what we needed here at A&T. It is unbelievable. Um, it looks really good. Um, we want, you know, and it's still places um, to add in the future. It's not, a, you know, it's not a finished product, but man, it is unbelievable for recruits and their families to come into our gym and see the history we have here at North Carolina A&T. And um, it's one of the best places in terms of uh, uh, atrium area, you know, locker room area uh, that I've seen in the country. We did it big time, and uh, I'm proud uh, that we were able to get the job done. No question. That history Appreciate history that. is great. Uh, great job, Carl. The deacon. Man, I didn't know he was a deacon. deacon. I didn't know he was a deacon. That's the thing. I'm not one. Brian had just with that. I gotta watch my language. I'm sorry. He looks like a deacon. You like somebody who's walking to church and he's sitting in the front row. You know what I mean? With a white suit on. You know what I mean? I knew he was alpha. I didn't know he was a deacon. I gotta watch him now. My grandfather was a deacon, and I guess the look has passed off to me. So that's where Brian is. All right, man. Like the deacon, man, no question about it. He does a great job, though. Uh, fantastic job. Uh, you know, we, we got all of our sponsors and Pepsi and Subway, and you know, uh, the deacon is certainly a huge part of that and, and, and making sure that uh, we have support for North Carolina ATMs mm -hmm. basketball and volleyball and all the other sports that uh, we sponsor here at North Carolina AT. And uh, we've got fans saying, Coach Jones, they can't wait to be back at Club Corbett. You see you yelling at referees again. So, you know, uh, the, the, the Yale game on there. So it's, uh, it's, it's all good. And uh, we certainly can't wait be, to be back at Club Corbett uh, with our fans. We will be at Club Corbett this weekend. Uh, both of those games will be on Flow Sports. Uh, there is a paid subscription uh, to both of those games. Uh, you know, NCATAggies.com. I know our fans are used to it being free, but Flow Sports, you will have to pay uh, in order to watch both games uh, on Sunday and Monday. Coach, we'll let you out of here with this one. What is uh, what kind of issues does South Carolina State present to us uh, this coming week? South Carolina State is uh, defeated. They have a defeated record. And, um, you know, when you have a team that's trying to get their first win, every game's dangerous. They're hungry. Coach Murray does an unbelievable job keeping his kids motivated. They want to win and we can't take anything for granted. We have a bigger mission of what we're trying to accomplish. And so we have to treat this game as a one and oh situation um, and not look too far uh, down the road. We need to focus on, uh, you know, being the best version of our team that we can be uh, on Saturday and then turn around and generating some energy from within to be the best team we can be on Sunday. But that starts today in practice. Our guys have to be locked in and focus on the right things and not worry about what South Carolina State record is more about. Uh, they they gave us two strong games down there in Orangeburg, and we got to be ready for a fight um, coming in this weekend. Big love and big shout out to Ben Hall, uh, men's baseball coach, uh, joining us on the podcast, man. Big love to those guys. They start out February 19th. Um, their season, and so thanks for joining us, Coach. And uh, Coach Hall is bashing you about your basketball skills, Corey. But we're going to show Coach Hall. <laughs> there it is, Coach. Coach Hall, look at that, man. So he, yeah, put it over there. Put it over there. I mean, it's there, man. There's the evidence. I, I, don't know, I don't know about Coach Hall's basketball skills, but 
his his golf driver has a heater. Up it's goes off. That driver is cheating. I don't know what's going on. It makes a sound when it hits the ball. Hey, listen, I ain't on the road. Oh, big love out to Coach Hall, man. He's cheating at golf, but we love him. You know, he he's got, a, he's got an illegal driver, you know, but uh, we, we love it. Uh, Coach Jones, we appreciate your help, man. Uh, we wish you all the best this season. Uh, NCAA tournament is in our dreams. You know, we're, we're hoping, and uh, we got an outstanding team. Uh, Cam Langley on the verge of breaking the steals record. He's already got the uh, assist record here in North Carolina A&T. Uh, so he's done an outstanding job. And Blake Harris and uh, all of those guys, uh, Quay Parker, uh, just an outstanding team. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to what they can bring uh, this season. And so we'll uh, say goodbye to our coach, Coach Jones, and good luck this weekend. And we'll bring in Carl for our marketing minute. He'll close us out here uh, and let us know what's coming up in Aggie Athletics uh, from an event standpoint and from a marketing standpoint. Deacon? Uh, I think we hit on uh, most of the things, but we'll, we'll run back through them. Um, volleyball gets started uh, on the conference side of things tomorrow. Today is Wednesday, right? Yeah, tomorrow <laughs> at 4 and at 1 on Friday against Norfolk State. And you can catch that action. Uh, NCATAggies.com. Um, softball, I guess uh, m my breaking news isn't as big as Edie's, but uh, we did have to cancel our, our softball um, match this, I mean, not match, excuse me, softball games this weekend. Um, I don't know if anyone's seen the weather, but it, it, it is going to be a little bit rainy or snow or sleet or something. Um, so we, we canceled those games against Youngstown State for this weekend. Uh, bowling will head up to Baltimore area again, and they'll take on um, – will not take on Morgan State, but they'll be in a meet that's hosted by Morgan State. Um, and then, I don't know if I've seen this in a while, but both track and women's tennis are going to be down at Clemson this Saturday. Um, I think this is the second week in a row for our, our track program going down to South Carolina. And so uh, we'll, we'll see if, if a couple sets of Aggies can come away victorious um, in Clemson, South Carolina. Women's basketball finally gets back in action uh, this Saturday and Sunday at North Carolina Central. Um, and you can watch both of those games on Central's website, which is nccueaglepride.com. That is really weird. I don't know if I've ever advertised another school's <laughs> website before. But also be on, uh, yeah, it'll also be on aggies.com uh, radio. Okay. Uh, but don't aware and know if you want to, you know, support A&T instead. And then men's basketball will take on South Carolina State on Sunday. Uh, that's Valentine's Day. So, Get your, your Valentine and y'all get together and watch some Aggie basketball. Uh, that'll be Sunday at 4 and Monday at 5. Both of those games on Flow Sports, as Brian mentioned. Um, as of now, the two central games at the end of the month will also be on Flow Sports. Um, so it might be good to go ahead and get that little monthly package so you can watch the uh, remaining home games we have. And then to wrap it up, men's and women's tennis will be at Queens University on Sunday for uh, another match. So a lot of a lot of action uh, this weekend. Aggie athletics, as we mentioned, um, this this spring, this February and March, we'll have a lot uh, going on more more than usual. So, um, but no, we look forward to, to having everyone's support. I will also add in, um, podcast is brought to you by Ford. Ford is built to your lifestyle check out the great offers on the vehicles that help you win the day at buyfordnow.com learn why they're built for victory and built for the carolinas contact your carolina ford dealer proud sponsor of the north carolina a&t aggies thank you carl man 
appreciate that. Uh, great job that you continue to do. And uh, great job by uh, Edie Brewer. I want to thank her for joining us. I want to thank uh, head men's basketball coach uh, Will Jones for joining us. Uh, my good friend, Corey Lima, he did an outstanding job of breaking down some of those NCAA uh, rules that are hard to interpret. And he does an outstanding job of keeping us on the straight and narrow. He, he, I call him the, the, the police, you know. He, he's that <laughs> Very important, and uh, but he does uh, an outstanding job. Um, uh, big love to my co-host Spencer Turkin. He had to drop off, but uh, big thank you to him and all he does for Aggie athletics, and of course the DK Carl Harrison. We'll be back here next week with a whole new round of ANT guests, and uh, thank you guys for making this broadcast uh, uh, popular and successful. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. Thank you. Have a good one.